So we're in a brand new series. In this series, during the time of Lent, what we've been doing is we've been looking at Jesus, reflecting on Jesus, pausing and noticing who Jesus is and how that transforms our life, because he does. Last week, we looked at Jesus as king, as ruler. We saw that he is the one true king who deserves our obedience and submission and surrender. And today, we look at Jesus as servant, as slave, as the one who gives everything up to serve another. When I think about this thing of a servant, I, I just can't think of something less popular in our culture. This is not something that we like to talk about becoming lower and becoming slaves. In fact, uh, many of us would say, and I've heard this from a lot of us, we say, well, I didn't come to Christ to become a doormat. Or I didn't come to Christ so that uh, people could take advantage of me. I know what that spirit's like. It's a spirit that fights for my rights rather than longs for his presence. I remember I was walking down the block. I, I either run or walk here. It's a great way to save money. And so it's not because I love exercise. Um, so I was, I was on my way here, and it was, I think it was last winter. It might have been last winter, maybe two winters ago. But as I was coming here, there was a guy who was walking, and he was ahead of me, and I noticed, I was like, oh my goodness, he doesn't have any shoes on. It was insane. And so we were right here, um, right off of Lafayette, where you make the turn to come up to the church from Fulton. And, um, and I said, hey, it's cold out here. Like I was telling him something he didn't know. And I was like, it's cold out here. Can, why don't you come with me? That's, and I pointed to our church. I said, that's the, the church building uh, that I attend. Won't you come with me? I think we might have some shoes for you. And he looked at me. And, and he looked at me with like, I don't know, disdain, anger, frustration. And he said, you get them for me. Because I told him we could get him shoes. If, he goes, you get them for me. I was like, <laughs> clearly, you have not gotten the memo. You must not know about me, clearly. And I said, you crazy. I'm going there. If you want to come with me, you can come. But I'm about out. Conversation over. I've been thinking about that for like two years. I've been thinking about that because he was foolish. That was silly. He certainly wasn't humble. But I was arrogant, prideful, and refused to be 
associated with a term like a servant. I, I went and, and I forgot about him. I've never seen him again. But I wonder how many ways I do that very thing. That I don't mind being a servant so long as people don't treat me like a servant. I don't mind serving others so long as you recognize my pedigree. So long as you see exactly where I stand. You know, I wish I could say that that's the only time I've ever done that, but I do that in my, in my home. I don't mind serving my wife so long as she doesn't treat me like a servant. I don't mind serving my kids so long as they don't treat me like a servant, so long as they recognize that I am far better than that and that I am humbling myself once they recognize that and appreciate the work and the service that I'm doing. Would you believe I do that in our church? I wonder if I'm the only one. If I'm the only one who serves just so long as people recognize that what I'm doing is a humble act. I wonder if, at your, if in your marriage with your brothers and sisters, at your home, at your school, at your job, if you too don't struggle with this concept of being a servant so long as no one treats you like one. You know, God knows that this is an incredible way, being arrogant, proud, being self-centered and selfish. God knows that this is a wonderful way to destroy your friendships, kill your romantic relationships, hurt your relationship with your children. God knows that every one of us will suffer if we go the way of prideful, if we go the way of arrogant, if we go the way of self-centered. Just think about this for a second. Married couples, think about this for a second. What were some of the biggest fights within the context of your marriage if it wasn't for you to get your way? You don't have to be married either. What were some of the biggest fights in your friendships? It's simple. You just wanted your way. And the thought of the other person asking you to do more than what you felt was too much for you. Because nobody wants to be treated like a servant. God knows that every one of us are going to blow up our relationships, are going to ruin our friendships, are going to destroy our ability to function well at work or even stay clean. God knows that we're going to struggle with this idea of being a servant. And so God does the impossible. He comes and he serves. Becomes the servant that we all should be. Husbands, this message is important because if you're not a servant to your wife, your wife will feel hurt and used. Wife, this is so important because if you're not a servant, your husband 
will feel a lack of respect. Friends, if you're not a servant, you'll only be a leech to those around you looking to what you can get from them. And nobody wants to be around the leech. In every aspect of life, the concept of being a servant will affect us in multitudes of ways. And so, it's important that we learn today's lesson. And today's lesson is summed up in a question. But before I give you the question, let me give you a word. The word is sovereign. Can you say sovereign with me? Sovereign. It's not a very popular, popularly used word. But it basically means like being the boss, being the ruler, being the, the one who's the shot caller in life. If you go to the dictionary, it says, it is explained as a noun, it says, it's a supreme ruler, especially a monarch, like a prince, a king, a queen. Or an adjective, used as an adjective, it's possessing supreme or ultimate power. And this idea of being sovereign is something that's very heavy in our hearts. We want to be sovereign. If you're young, we say, th we have things in our vocabulary. We say, we say things like, um, you're not the boss of me. We're exerting our sovereignty. Um, we say things like, who died and made you God? We're asserting our sovereignty. In many, many ways, we find ways to fortify our own rulership. Not even God can tell us what to do. And so we try and we fortify, we try to be more and we fortify more this idea of being sovereign, being the ruler of our lives. Beloved, I'm telling you, this kind of thinking will destroy you. And so with that in mind, the big idea for today and the question that I want you to continue to ask is simply this. Will you be a sovereign or will you be a servant? Will you be a sovereign or will you be a servant? Will you be a ruler or will you be one who goes low? Again, God knows that we're going to struggle with this, and so he gives us this incredible passage in Philippians chapter 2. Becoming, becoming a servant has beautiful consequences within our body, and we're going to talk about those. But let's look at the text. It's in Philippians chapter 2. We're just going to look at verses 1 through 8. I don't even know how we're going to be able to. Honestly, we could spend the entire year studying this one text. I'm not even kidding. We could spend 52 weeks studying this text and not exhausted. So we're going to look at this text. We have Paul. This is Paul's like happiest letter, man. He's so delighted with these people. And as he's speaking with them and he's begging them to be unified, that's the, that's the idea, that they're going to be, they, he wants them to be unified. He wants them not in uniformity. In other words, we don't dress alike, we don't talk alike, we don't necessarily act alike, but wants us to have the same heart. And that's the heart of a servant. 
That if we have the heart of the servant and we have a heart that's humble, then what we'll do is that we will want to love one another. Here's what I've noticed in marriages. Here's what I've noticed with friends. Here's what I noticed in, uh, uh, in every aspect every aspect of relationship, mother, father, sister, brother, doesn't matter. I've noticed this. I've never seen humble and humble have a knockdown, drag out fight. I've never seen that happen. I've seen arrogant and self-righteous nearly come to blows. I've seen proud and self-serving practically kill each other. But I've never seen humble and humble have a knockdown, drag out. This is so important for our church because not only is this important for your personal life, but it's important for our church because if we're going to be a church that is all that Jesus wants us to be, we're going to have to be the church of the servants, the church that looks to others' betterment, the church that looks to others' blessing, the church that looks to others rather than to ourselves. And I'm telling you, it's the exact opposite of what you and I want for ourselves. You and I want to be up front. You and I want to be first. You and I want to be celebrated. If you don't believe that, just ask yourself this question. Do you get offended when you serve someone and they don't acknowledge it? It's because you want to be a sovereign. You want to fight this concept of being a servant. Do you, do you get upset if no one thanks you for the kind of sacrifices that you make in this community? It's because you want to be a sovereign. Beloved, we want to be servants. Let's look at the text. Philippians chapter 1, verses, uh, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Would you please stand? Part of our tradition is to stand at the reading of God's word because we want to, even if only within the context of our posture, want to be reminded that God is absolutely ruler, Lord, sovereign, good, and God. And so we stand, almost like when, um, when uh, the president walks into a room of Congress or something like that. Everyone stands because they recognize the office. And so we recognize our king, our God, our ruler, and his word is about to speak to our hearts. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I want us to read the rest of this together. One, two, three. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself known by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
This is God's word. Please have a seat. Paul is writing to this church, and he's saying, guys, I want you to be united. I want you to be together because your families, your marriages, your friendships, your church will fall apart if you don't see and practice this quality that Christ practiced. Therefore, if you have any encouragement, okay, so let's just pause right here. The therefore, what, whenever you get to the text and you see a therefore, you have to ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? And the therefore is there for uh, the fact that in verse 27, he starts this idea. Verse 27 of chapter 1, he starts this concept about um, uh, being unified, even within the context of suffering, even within the context of uh, not having your way, even in the context of persecution, that there needs to be this, this servanthood, this unity among us. And so since that's true, what I just said in verses uh, 27 through 30 or 31, he says, if, and then he starts this next word, if. Again, every word here is gold. He says the word if, but it's not like if, like he's not sure about what the answer is going to be. It's if like a certainty. Sort of like if I'm with my kids and I say something like this, if you love me at all, you'll clean up your room, right? I'm not questioning their love for me. I'm not questioning um, whether or not they have any affection for me. What I'm saying is since this is true, clean up your room, right? And sort of the, the scriptures are using this in the exact same way. It's, it's more since you have these things in Christ. And listen to what he says. If or since you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. And by the way, let's pause right here. Paul is going to go through a sort of a Trinitarian view of God. He's going to mention God the Son, then God the Father, then God the Spirit. Because we serve one God. One God. Everybody say, one God. One God. We serve one God, and that God is in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We, oh, so we are not monotheists in the sense, or strict monotheists. We are not um, polytheists. In other words, we are Trinitarians. We are people who believe in the God who is three in one. Not that God is schizophrenic, and that one day God is like, hey, I'm the father. And then he puts on another hat the next day and he says, hey, I'm the son. And then he puts another hat the next day and he says, hey, I'm the spirit. He, God is not like that. Sort of like, you know, uh, 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 maybe perhaps if you've ever been in a Jehovah Witness setting, they say, oh, you mean like God is, uh, sometimes he shows up as father or something. No, 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 no. That's a heresy. And we deny that. That is not what we're saying. We're saying that God is uniquely Trinitarian. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus is going to speak of this. And for those of us who, you know, had a semester or two of uh, college where, we, you know, where the professor started to talk about the Bible in a disparaging ways, I want you to know that before we say that this is myth, we have to contend with the fact that it's so early in the early church. This is being said no more than 25 years after Christ's death. And it was already an accepted 
It was already an accepted saying. That's why uh, he, uh, he writes this song down. This was already a popular song, verses 6 through 8. It was already a popular song. And so he is looking at the lens of a group of people who see their God as Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, this is important to us because whenever you, look, whenever you say something like, God is love, love only can be love if love has an object. Isn't that true? In other words, you just can't say you love nothing if you're a person of love. There's always an object to your love. And so if God has always been Trinity, then God has always been in a relationship of love with himself. And so that love, that God doesn't just have love, God is love. And this God comes to us and saves the day. This God goes to the house and gets the shoes. And he says, Hey, listen, if you have any encouragement from being united with God the Son, Christ, if any comfort from his love, God the Father's love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, if you have any of these, and again, we could take a long time to look at what each of these mean, but the point is, is that if there's any benefit, if there's anything that you're getting out of since coming to Christ, since there's such comfort, since there's such unitedness, since there's such sharing in the spirit and fellowship, since this is true, and he goes on, any tenderness and compassion, then he says this, he says, make my joy complete. Raise my joy and be what? Like-minded, having the same love. Now, this is important. We're not like-minded in the sense where um, person A has to change their mind to agree with person B. But person B is changing his mind to agree with person C. Uh, but person C is working real hard to agree with person A, and it's like this circular, crazy thing. That would not work. That would be absurd. What he is saying here is that you have to have this one-mindedness. What mindedness? It's the mind of Christ. Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. There it is. In other words, think like Jesus. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Pause. If we did nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, we'd probably find ourselves pretty bored because it's almost everything that we do. I mean, almost everything that we do is out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. That's a frightening thought. Like even the kindness that I give to my wife usually has strings attached to it. Beloved, beloved, as we look at Christ as our servant, let him convict us of the fact that we refuse to be servants, that we refuse to be like our Christ, that we want to have our own way, that we know best, that we're willing to beat our wives down until they agree with us or nag our husbands to the ground until they submit. Beloved, be a servant. Don't be a sovereign. Be a servant. 
Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, instead of this, in humility, value others above yourselves. Wait, are you saying that I'm supposed to give you more value, give you more love, give you more affection, give you more deference than I do to myself? I don't know if I want to do that. I'm not even sure I like everyone in the room. So I'm like, how do we do it? I know I'm not the only one. And so he says, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Now stop right there. Okay. So did you hear everything I just said? Did anybody here think that, you know what, I'm going to try harder to do this? No, 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 it's impossible. It's just stupid to even try. To try to do what he just said is ridiculous. If you try to do it, you only see how ridiculous it is, is if you actually try it. Try to do it in your friendships. Try to do it in your marriages. Try to do it with your kids. Try to do it with your parents. Try to do it at your work. Try to do what he just talked to us uh, about doing. And what you will find is that in about a half a day, you'll go, Jesus is crazier than a bed bug. I am not trying to listen to what the Word of God says about this. You know, you can't, you know, can't be right every time. Then he says, the basis by which we can do all these things. Look at verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. There it is. Remember, we said, change your mind, change your mind. Have the one-mindedness. Where, where, where? Well, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, pause, that's a mouthful. Do you know that Jesus is not the archangel Michael? Do you know that Jesus is not a prophet? Not just a prophet. Do you know that Jesus is, is not the brother of Lucifer? No. Jesus is God. When you say God and you mean anything other than Jesus, you might be missing the, might be. You are missing the mark. Jesus is God. You go, well, where does it say that? Well, we just read it. <laughs> Who being in very nature God, in his nature, in who he is, being very nature, the pre-existing God of all time, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Remember how we said we serve a Trinitarian God? And so here's God the Son not fighting for his rights with God the Father or God the Spirit. Here's God the Son laying down all of his rights for something or rather someone that he loves. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. That's just, the fact that you and I are not crying right now is the, the proof that we don't understand what we're reading. Listen, listen. Think of, think of the, the greatest rock star, superstar, movie star that you can think of. Think of them going, Hey, can I move into your house? 
Just, I'm, I'm going to leave all of my riches. I'm going to leave all of my fame. I just want to live in your house and maybe help you get ahead in life. I want to abandon everything that I've worked for, and I want to come. Can you think of, like, who's your idol? Who's your rock star? Who's your movie star? Who's the person that if, like, they say, if, they, if, if you saw them down the street, you would want to take a selfie with them? Who's that? And imagine them going, I'm going to abandon all of my fame, all of my riches, all of my glory. I'm going to abandon it all for the sake of loving you well and serving you. That even if you reject me, I'm going to pursue you. Can you even imagine that happening? I can't. And even if you could imagine that, you still would not be able to imagine one one thousandth of what Christ had to do in order to come from heaven to earth. It's breathtaking. We're saying angelic words here, and we're not moved because we're that hard-hearted. Because we're, that, we're, look, we're still looking for our angle. Where, when is this sermon going to turn to make us feel better about ourselves? Oh, my. He's king. He's God. He's sovereign. He not only owns, he creates it all and then comes as a servant. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Do you hear that? Who being in very nature God takes on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbles himself by becoming obedient to death, even the torturous death on the cross. Whenever we see Christ as a servant, it should, we, should, we need to pause and see it till it moves us to tears. Christ becomes a servant so that you and I could inherit relationship with him, be adopted into his family. Whenever we decide to go our own way, to do our own will, to act in our own self-interest, whenever we push aside our brother and sister, whenever we deny the needs of our, our fellow man and our wives and our husbands and our children, whenever we do such things, we are acting as the anti-Christ. We are behaving in a way that is not congruent to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the fact is, is that none of us do. Not one of us. Me first, you second. None of us behave this way. And so what I want us to do in this session is that we might be able to look to Christ as the servant and so be moved by his service to us that it would overflow into service to others. So how do you illustrate this? So basically in every moment of life, In every moment of life, you have a choice. The towel or the throne. That's what your choice is. Will you be the servant who comes? Think about this. The guy who created every fingerprint so that they might be different and unique, that guy kneeled down and washed the dirty feet of his disciples. 
I'm sorry, what was your excuse for not serving? You're too good for what? They don't know who you are, what? They, don't, they must not know about you, really? See, in every place in life, you have an opportunity. Will you be, will you be a servant and put the serving towel joyfully, knowing that this is what this is what this looks like. So your your husband comes home, and you you've had a hard day too. It's not been easy for you too. He's worked hours, but you've worked hours too. And so he comes home, and he's like, you know, let's let's pick on a guy who who's like real bad. He comes home, and he's like, where's my cooking? Where's my food? And then, and, then, and then you go, oh, honey, you know, I just, I have a, a great meal, or, you know, I cooked, I, I, I ran home. Or maybe you're like um, some moms who have to, like, cook in the morning, uh, like, crockpot it, and then by the time everybody gets home, you know, but you have to wake up extra early to get all that stuff, whatever. Hey, hon, it's over there. Corned beef again? And you're like, it's like, well, you could, <laughs> no, you you go like this. You ready? You ready? This is good. This is good. You go like this. You go like this. Hey, hon. I know it feels like it's always the same thing. This is what we have. And God has blessed us with it. Amen. Let's enjoy what God has given us together. Let's not let Satan win. Right? Okay. Here's how else this looks like. You're home. Your wife comes home. And you've been watching the kids. You ran from work, and you're watching the kids. And you know, you're doing the best you can. You're not very good at it. You, you know, but they're not dead, so all is good. All right? And so you know, you're making sure your wife comes home, and she goes, what is this mess in here? I leave you guys alone for a couple of hours, and this is what I have to come home to? Come on, man. What? You go, well, you didn't nearly have to come home at all. Or, see, that would be, that, you didn't have to come home at all. After the work that I put in, you, could, you can get on the throne. And you can let her know. Let her know who she's talking to. Do that. Or you can put the serving towel around your arm. And you go, I know. This looks really, really bad. Um, now that you're home, um, if you just give me a few minutes, me and the kids will, will try to straighten up. And you make it a game with your kid. But you go, let's not let Satan. Let's not let Satan win. In every moment in life, you have an option to choose the towel or the throne. You have an option as the musicians come up. You have an option to choose whether you'll be a sovereign or a servant. Here's what will happen. If you decide to be a servant, here's what will happen. Some people will want to take advantage of you. If you decide to be a servant, some people will want to uh, manipulate you and use you for their own ends because they're sovereigns. And what you're going to do is you're just going to go, God, would you help me to follow Christ? Would you help me to be the kind of person who gets the shoes?
My, listen, it doesn't matter to me what their motivation is. My encouragement comes from Christ. So now, what happens? Now, I'm in very same situations. I go, my husband, you know, let's imagine I'm a woman. My husband comes home. Uh, he says, hey, corned beef again. And I go, Jesus, is this the way I sound like? When I come to a service and I go, oh, those songs again? Or, oh, is he using that illustration again? Or, oh, is this the food that we're serving here? It's that again? Is this the way I sound like ungrateful for the benefits and the blessings that you provide? Is this what I sound? Is he right now giving me an illustration of my own in ungrateful heart? Oh, how do you respond to me, God? Ah, with the towel. With the towel. The one, the one who rightly deserves the chair. The one who rightly deserves the throne. Steps off the throne and says, I'll serve you. I'll love you. I'll help you. I'll serve you to grow in, in humility and, and in gratitude. I'll serve you. And he's never served us in more beautiful and powerful a way than on the moment that he decided that he was going to come from heaven to earth, live the life that you should have lived, but you know you didn't, and die the death you deserve to die, but you don't have to because he did it in your place. And he went to the cross to die for your sins, serving you, not just with the towel, but with his blood. Oh, that we would receive that from Jesus. And so my encouragement, my encouragement to you is to look upon Jesus. Even this week, go back to this text and read it slowly until the hair on your arms stand up, reflecting on all that Jesus has done for you. Listen. And then this week, as you're reflecting on that, I want you to ask yourself this question. When you're sitting on the train and you're tired and there's a pregnant woman that walks on, will I be a sovereign or will I be a servant? Don't ask those questions like, yo, listen, she's not the only one who's got uh, swollen feet. She's not the only one who's tired. She's not the only one. No, no, no. You're not, you're not making statements like this. You're asking one question. Will I be a sovereign or will I be a, sa a servant? My sovereign became a servant, so perhaps his servant could act like a servant as well. Whether you're in the train or at home, my prayer is that you would ask that question. Even when you're being tempted by sin, I'm not going to be a slave to sin. I'm going to be a servant of Christ. We're going to listen to a, a beautiful song. In fact, if you would stand with me and then I'll pray for us. It's called A Beautiful Name. I'm going to pray for you. Is there anyone here who senses the need to become more of a servant? That you've been sitting on the throne of your life for way too long. And you need to get off the throne and you need to 
put on the towel? Is there anyone here who would say, yeah, you know what? That's exactly what I need to do. I need to come to Christ. I need to say, Jesus, be the, be the Lord of my life. You sit on the throne. I'll take up the towel. Yeah, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you, Lord, that life lived with us on the throne is a terrible one and painful one. I'm grateful for its pain, Lord, because in the end, we want, we want to be like Jesus. And so, Lord, would you turn our hearts to be like Christ? Lord, for those of us who've been, who've been serving for a while and have just gotten tired of it, would you remind us of your service to us? For those of us who don't know you, God, would you give us a heart to turn to you and submit to you? For those of us here who just want to sit on the throne of our lives, Lord, would you convict us and keep us from manipulating our wives and our children and our friends and our families and our husbands and our dads and our moms and rather being submitted towards you? Make that true, oh God, in every one of our hearts so that you might be lifted very high. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.